This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here's our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Let's pray. Father, we, we come to you this morning, Lord, so empty, and we pray, fill our cup, Lord. Fill it up, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, if you turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 13, we've come now to this uh, new chapter here, 13, and we're gonna be covering this morning the great parable of the sower and the seed, which are the first 13, 23 verses of this uh, chapter. So here we go, chapter 13, verse one. The same day went Jesus out of the house and sat by the seaside, and great multitudes were gathered together unto him, so that he went into a ship and sat, and whole multitudes stood on the shore. And he spake many things unto them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went forth to sow. And when he sowed, some seeds fell by the wayside, and the fowls came and devoured them up. Some fell upon stony places when they had not much earth, and forthwith they sprung up because they had no deepness of earth. And when the sun was up, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. Some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprung up and choked them, and others fell into good ground and brought forth fruit, some a hundredfold, some sixtyfold, some thirtyfold. Who hath ears to hear, let him hear. The disciples came and said unto him, Why speakest thou unto them in parables? He answered and said unto them, Because it is given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it is not given. For whosoever hath to him shall be given, and he shall have more abundance. But whosoever hath not for him shall be taken away, even that which he hath. Therefore speak I to them in parables, because they seeing see not, hearing they hear not, neither do they understand. And in them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah, which saith, by hearing you shall hear, shall not understand. Seeing you shall see, shall not perceive. For this people's heart is waxed gross, their ears are dull of hearing, their eyes they have closed, lest at any time they should see with their eyes, hear with their ears, should understand with their heart, and should be converted, and I should heal them. 
But blessed are your eyes, for they see, your ears, for they hear. For verily I say unto you, that many prophets, righteous men, have desired to see those things which you see, have not seen them. You hear those things which you hear, have not heard them. Hear ye therefore the parable of the sower. When anyone heareth the word of the kingdom, and understandeth it not, then cometh the wicked one, and catcheth away that which was sown in his heart. This is he which receives seed by the wayside. But he that received the seed into the stony place is the same as he that heareth the word, and none with joy receiveth it, and he hath no root in himself, but dureth for a while. For when tribulation or persecution ariseth because of the word, by and by he is offended. He also that receives seed among the thorns is he that heareth the word, and the care of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, choke the word, and he becometh unfruitful. But he that receives seed into the good ground is he that heareth the word, and understandeth it, which also beareth fruit and bringeth forth some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. So the setting here is that just before this, he's in the house, he's just asked and answered a question about his true family, and that's in the previous chapter, the last verses in verse 48 through 50, he says, he looks at the people, he says, who's my mother, who's my brethren? He stretches forth his hand, toward his disciples and said, Behold my mother and my brethren, for whosoever shall do the will of my Father which is in heaven, he the same as my brother and my sister and mother. So the subject that he was talking about was his family. He's just said that everyone who does the will of his Father is part of his true family. He has a large family. The family has no limit. He wants the family to get larger and larger and larger, and that's what's now driving him out of the house to preach to, immediately to preach to this multitude on how more and more people can become part of his family. It says in verse two, the same day went Jesus out of his house and sat by the seaside, and so the scene is that he's sitting by the seaside, and suddenly, from every direction starts to gather around him these crowds, it says in verse two, great multitudes were gathered together unto him. That's a beautiful saying. We're gathered together unto him. That's what we do in our private devotions in the morning. We gather together unto him. That's what we're doing right now in church. We gather together unto him. That's what we're gonna do when we die. We're gonna gather together unto him. So he sees these multitudes that are come to him, that are gathered to him, and he says in his mind, quick, I need a pulpit. But he's not in a synagogue with seats. He's not in a stadium, the Roman stadium, but there's a boat. He sees a boat and he says, perfect. The boat has now become a pulpit and the shore around him has now become a synagogue. It's now become a stadium, an amphitheater, and his sermon begins in verse three. He spake many things unto them in parables, saying, behold, a sower went forth to sow. So he's now going to speak as he has for thousands of years, as he said in Hosea 12.10, Hosea 12.10, he says, I have also spoken by the prophets and I've multitude visions and I've used similitudes, similitudes by the ministry of the prophets. So he's now going to continue 
to speak in similitudes or parables that's going to be like something else, a parable that's in nature, a parable that can be seen, so to speak, but it's going to be a parable of the supernatural, of something that happens that can't be seen. The parables here, this is the beginning of him using the parables in the book of Matthew. The parables are very interesting because a parable is like the pillar that separated the murderous Egyptians who were on their way with their swords drawn ready to kill the Israelites in the the parted Red Sea. And so to the Egyptians, there was this pillar that's between them and the Israelites, and to the Egyptian, that pillar was a pillar of darkness. But to the Israelites, that same pillar was a pillar of light. Just like the pillar, the parables are both a darkness and a light. It says in Exodus 14.20, where it describes as Exodus 14.20, it came between the camp of the Egyptians and the camp of Israel, and it was a cloud and darkness to them, but it gave light by night to these so that the one came not near the other all the night. See, the parables are like that pillar in the parted Red Sea. So he's just been speaking to the people in a house, and as he spoke to these people in the house, it was very interesting because there were many people in the house, and he looked at each one of his hearers. He didn't just talk into the sky, but as he talked, he was very sensitive to the body language of the people listening to them. He was very, he looked in their eyes as he spoke. He saw the expression on their faces and he, as only he could do, he knew their thoughts. And so he's categorized, as he's been in the house there, he's categorized the people that were listening to him into four categories. He's looked at one, he says, yep, he's in that category. Oh, he's in that category. And so, Some of the people in the house were his enemies. They had come up from Jerusalem and they were gunning for him. And they were looking for something that he said, anything that they could hear that they could use to accuse him, some evidence that they could bring forth at his final trial. They were the ones that he's going to describe in verse 19 as understandeth it not. They're not gonna understand what he's saying. They were the ones who understood, of course, what he was saying with their head, but he described them in verse 15 as they did not understand with their heart. They didn't understand with their heart. They, when they listened to him, they didn't feel any love for what he said. When the words got to them, there was no awakening inside of them for what he spoke. There was just zero reception of his words into their heart. And they were like compacted, beaten down dirt on a well-traveled road that many shoes had stomped on and many carts had made tracks through that ground and had just pressed that dirt down into practically being like concrete. And it doesn't matter and it didn't matter how many times a sower of seed might approach that hard road, and it doesn't matter how much seed the sower of seed might throw on that path, the ground of that path was like those people's hearts that will never 
give entrance to the seed. And so then there were others that he saw too in the house. And those were ones that, that they were there and they wanted to be there because they enjoyed what he said. It was kind of entertaining to them. These people practically would applaud every time he spoke. It's, oh, it's wonderful. They were so happy. You know, they came out to hear him like people came out to hear a concert of Pavarotti or, or Andrea Bocelli. And it was wonderful, they would say. And there was, but their joy was shallow. It was for the moment. It didn't last. His words were kind of like the music of Pavarotti. It just faded into a sweet memory of a good time we had that night. There was no lasting change in their lives uh, from that Pavarotti concert. Just a memory, good memory. There was no lasting change in their lives. They were shallow hearers. It was just a sweet memory of a, of a nice time. The, the hard concrete, like the dirt of the, the trodden path, it was in them also, but the difference was it was just covered over by a thin layer of dirt. It looked like it was great dirt, but no. The seed just could not find root under the surface because there were rocks down there. And so, but nevertheless, when he spoke, there were tears. They cried, oh, just like uh, sad music. I'll cry when I hear sad music. I'll get happy when I hear happy music. But the tears dried and the heart remained uh, uh, permanently not changed. The concert was good. We'll go again next time. Next time he's in town, we'll come again. And that was that group. Then as he looked around the group in the house, he also saw others who felt that there's something very important for me in what he's saying, but I, I just don't have the time right now. They were pressed with, well, all kinds of thoughts and cares. They're like those who come to the Pavarotti concert or the Bracelli concert, and they can't listen to the concert because they th keep thinking about what they gotta do after the concert. You know, their minds enjoy the music, but they just can't hear it because they're going through in their mind their to-do list. The beauty of the concert has been choked, and they're in the concert, but they're not really there. Yeah? Because in their minds, they're fixing, and they're repairing, and they're maintaining, and they're guarding, and they're caring for, and they're building, and they're, and they're buying, and they're selling. Oh, they're all over the board in their mind, even though they're physically there. So the concert, for them, it's wasted. It's been wasted. And the words of the Lord on them has been wasted because the good seed of the sower has been choked. So he sees those. And then he sees others, and they were ones that were hanging on his every word. His words were penetrating. He could tell that it was penetrating deep into their souls. They had distracting thoughts, but they dismissed them. They dismissed them. And there are those who are described in Luke 8.15, Luke 8.15 as, but that on the good ground are they which in an honest and good heart, having heard the word, keep it and bring forth fruit, with patience. So when the seed hits that ground, it's almost like the seed cries out. The seed itself cries out, yes, I finally found my good ground. I found the ground that receives me, not like the roadway ground. I found the ground that lets me take root, not like the rocky soil. I found the ground that won't choke me, like thorny ground. I found the ground 
that I was made for. And the Lord is thinking about these four types of people, these four types of hearers of his words. And he wants something. You can see it in him. You can feel it. He's anxious. He wants something to explain a cause for why his gospel succeeds in some and why his gospel fails in others. He needs a symbol. He needs an image. He needs an analogy to explain why the gospel fails and exceeds. And so you can see this in him that when it comes to him, he gets so excited. He gets so excited. He's found his image. He's found his similitude. He's found his analogy. And he announces that he found it with like a trumpet blast of behold, he says. Beholds like a trumpet call for everybody. Put everything else out of your head. Get ready to listen to, think through, meditate, and search for what God's saying to you. He's so excited. He says, behold, it was like when Paul Simon called up Art Garfunkel after he wrote the song Sounds of Silence, and he called him up, he was at Columbia University, and he says, you gotta come over right now, I've just written my most important song. Anyway, so Art Garfunkel, so Paul Simon calls up Art Garfunkel, he says, I just wrote my most important song, you gotta come right over, he comes over. So the Lord is just in this position here, he's just said, I just got this great analogy, you gotta listen, behold, he says, he's so excited. And so he's there on the shore of uh, Galilee, and it's the ground around the Lake of Galilee, and, and if you've been there, it kind of descends down in certain parts to the shore, kind of like uh, gentle hillsides coming down, and it's planted, planted with grain. So, you know, kind of in our mind's eyes, we're kind of visualizing the scene here. We can picture the Lord, he's there in this boat on the shore there, and he's, his eyes are kind of looked up on the hillsides there, and he he sees these fields of grain. And as he does, we can picture the Lord as he sees in his mind, he sees a sower flinging out the seeds into his seed patch. And he sees roads that are going through those fields in his mind's eyes. And he sees birds. Yeah, birds, these very smart birds. You see, these birds are very smart, by the way. Anyways, he sees them following the sower and the seed. You know, just like... Uh, down in Loretto, we have these massive turkey vultures, you know, these wingspans that are like five, six feet, these big giant things, you know. They're very interesting, the turkey vultures of Loretto. Uh, when we go fishing in, in Loretto, it's not allowed, the government does not allow anyone to clean their fish on the boat. They don't want the carcasses in the water and all that. So we are required by law to do our fish cleaning, you know, gutting and filling and all the car carcasses on land. And so we clean the fish, you know, it's like, what do you do with those carcasses? Because I can tell you, because Joseph one time put it in the trash, you've never smelt a smell like that before after a few days, the heat and everything, it's awful. So, you know, you put them in a bag, a plastic bag and you seal it up, you know, and then you drive not very far off into the desert and you dump it out there, yeah. So, you know, we carry the, the black sealed up plastic bag out of the house, put it in the back of the truck, and then we head for the desert to jump the fish carcasses. So, you know, we, we've driven out to the desert before and 
you know, without a fish bag in the back of the truck and the turkey vultures never follow us, you know. But this time, when you do this with the truck and the black bag in the back of the truck, you've got a whole flock of turkey vultures that are flying over the back of the truck there following you because maybe there's 10 of them. That's kind of a lot. And they're following you because they know you're going to dump that. They know what's in that bag. And they know you're going to dump it there in the desert. And they're going to be first down there to tear it apart. And in 30 minutes, you don't see any fish parts at all. They know. They know. The birds in verse 4, they know. They're just like the turkey vultures. They know when that sower with that big seed is going out and is hanging around his neck, the birds follow him because they know they're going to get seed. And so those Loretto turkey vultures are not disappointed when they follow the truck into the, into the desert there. And the Lord sees all this in his mind. He sees the birds and they're following the sower. And they've set out, they've set out because they know they're not going to be disappointed. And the Lord sees these birds and he speaks about those birds in verse three through four when he says, behold, a sower went forth to sow. And when he sowed, some seeds fell by the wayside and the fowls came and devoured them up. And the Lord looks up on those fields and he sees some of those roads of the fields and the Lord sees some people that are just like those hardened ground roads who don't give the seed of the word of God a chance And meanwhile, the birds swoop in and take that good seed away in a very violent way. It says, he uses the term, they devoured it up. And as the Lord thinks about why any seed could possibly have a chance to grow, the Lord lifts up his eyes. He sees these fruitful fields and he sees different ground. He sees soft ground, soft ground with ridges in it because it's been plowed and it's so different and it's ground that's ready to receive the seed, and it's ground that, that almost, as soon as the seed hits it, it's almost like the ground just gobbles it up and covers it. It immediately protects the seed from the birds. That good ground is good because it covered the seed faster than the birds could grab the seed. And the Lord said, yes, that's it. There is a competition for the seed. The good ground is crying out for the seed like the souls are crying out for the word of God. The birds are, are, are also crying out for the same seed. They want it, and the good ground is crying out. You can't have it to the birds. I was made for this seed, and as soon as that seed hits my ground, I'm going to cover it from you, you mangy birds. You know, that's what the ground is saying. And the Lord sees that good ground quickly covering up the good seed like souls so hungry for the word of God that as soon as they hear the word of God, they cover it up with what? With meditation and with thought, just like Mary did in Luke 2.19, Luke 2.19, where it says, Mary kept all these saying things and pondered them in her heart. Another place it says in Luke 2.51, Luke 2.51, and he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject to them, but his mother kept all these sayings in her heart. She covered them up with prayer, with meditation, with thought. Mary knew that the word of God was precious seed and that there was a devil who was trying to snatch it away from her. And Mary said, no, you can't take that seed of the word away from me because I'm gonna cover it in my heart. You can't take it, devil. 
That's Mary. And Mary wasn't alone in guarding the word of God from the devil. There were others that covered up the seed in their hearts. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. That's P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. That's tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. For more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries.